0: I don't know if you know how big of a deal it is this morning that you get to be with me. I'm kind of a big deal. And I just wanted to share this morning a couple of things with you so you kind of knew how big of a deal it is that you get to be with a big deal. I'm not sure you know all these things. But first, I just kind of want to cover my athletic career for a few moments. I brought with me this morning Gus Macker, All-world, third-place plaque. I don't know if you know much about Gus Macker. Gus Macker is the street basketball of street basketball tournaments. I took third place back in seventh grade in Albert Lee, Minnesota. Let me tell you how big Albert Lee is. 18,000 strong. That drew in teams from all over the place, like Blue Earth and Jackson. We dominated third place, Gus Macker. Not only though, third place Gus Macker, not Gus Macker, I was the captain of my basketball team. Alden Conger basketball team. Alden, and I graduated in a class that was huge. 62. They selected me to be the captain of the basketball team. My athletic career didn't end there though. I went on to play on the King of Glory softball team. I'm the only player who currently has their number retired. <laughs> we haven't had time yet to hang it up in the rafters, but I believe it's coming. It's been an illustrious athletic career, hard to match. But my, my greatness doesn't end with my athletic ability. I'm pretty strong academically, too. I don't know if you knew it, you probably think, oh, he's a pastor. He probably graduated with some English degree somewhere. no not to put down the English degrees among us. I've got a Bachelor's of Science from the renowned University of Sioux Falls. A Bachelor's of Science with at least a 3.0 GPA. (laughs) But it didn't just end with a degree. From this illustrious University of Sioux Falls, I took home the Purple Feather Award. Not many people win the Purple Feather Award maybe 60 or 70 in the graduating class. But the Purple Feather Award recognizes Richard McCorris, I don't wanna use that name too much to be too big of myself, for contributions of scholarship, character, leadership, and service. This is a big deal, Purple Feather Award. Pretty proud of this. Took about three hours to find it yesterday. But my academic career didn't really end there. I went on and I don't just have a Bachelor of Science degree, I've got a Master of Divinity. You could call me a Master of the Divine. (laughs) Again, came in really strong with about a 3.0 from the great Sioux Falls Seminary, some refer to as Harvard Junior. You could look at those credentials this morning and you could think to yourself, wow, in the presence of greatness, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. Or you could look at those credentials this morning and you might think to yourself, I hope he's not getting his confidence from his accomplishments. You could look at that resume this morning and you might think, how does he have any confidence in himself? well, my resume actually isn't that great. Well, what if I looked at your resume this morning? What would your resume include? What academic awards? What employee awards? Some of you might have some great awards. But if we looked at your resume this morning, would your resume give you reason to have boldness, to stand and be willing to die for what you've accomplished? Would your resume be strong enough that you would say, you know what, the emperor should listen to me. The emperor should take my word. We probably, I would contend none of us in this room have a resume strong enough that can give us the boldness to stand in front of an emperor and say, I am big time. None of us probably have a resume or credentials strong enough to give us confidence in any, in every scenario in life. This morning, in our Bible passage, though, we run into an individual who's got some serious credentials. Credentials that would blow mine away. Credentials that would blow any pastors away. Credentials that would make Billy Graham look like the pastor of King of Glory. This is a big-time person. This person is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is big time. John the Baptist is well known throughout the history, not just of Christianity, but also known in Islam and other religions as a key prophet, a key figure in the movement of humanity. He's big time. He drew crowds, big crowds, thousands. And he didn't just draw religious people, little no-namers. He drew soldiers. He drew tax collectors. These were the top people in society. He drew them all. He was big time. And yet, this one who is big time, when the crowd comes up to him and says to him, Hey, who are you? This is his moment. This is his opportunity but he actually goes a completely different direction. He basically says in simple words, I'm a nobody. I'm nothing. And he says to them, he has the opportunity. He has the opportunity to be the leader of the religious movement because the religious movement thinks he's the Christ. And you might think Christ, you might think, well, that's just the last name of Jesus. How big of a deal is that? Christ isn't the last name of Jesus. Christ is the title of the one that the whole Jewish nation has been waiting for. It's the title of Messiah, the anointed one, the great one who's to come and fix everything. And the religious people are thinking, this is it. This is the Messiah. This is the anointed one. And John has the opportunity to claim the mantle and say, I'm a big deal. John doesn't do that. He does the opposite. He says, I'm not the big deal he actually goes and he says the exact opposite to the extreme. If you have your Bible open in John chapter 1, he says the following. I am not the Christ in verse 20. And then he says down in verse 27, he says, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. we hear this, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. And we might not see the significance of this. First, you have to remember that they didn't have any Nikes back in John the Baptist day. Not only did they not have any Nikes, but they didn't have any nice maintained Sioux Falls roads. Everything was gravel or dirt or rock. And people were wearing sandals. And so, The person who had the option of taking off another person's sandal was the lowliest slave in the house. If you would go to a home, they would take your sandal off. And there was strict rules about who could take the sandals off. It was strict as this. The lowliest slave could only take the sandals off. It was such a lowly position of taking sandals off that rabbis could not Teach their disciples, the people who are following their students, to take off sandals of other people. They had to teach their disciples to pass that off onto someone else. John is saying here that he is the lowliest of the lowly when you compare him to the one who's coming. This is the key piece. John says, I'm nobody. He doesn't say I'm nobody because he is nobody. He says he's nobody because he's looking at himself in light of Jesus who is coming. And in light of Jesus, he says, I am not even worthy to untie his sandal. In other words, John's saying, I'm the lowliest person in society because of the greatness of the one who is coming. Well how great is this person who is coming that this religious leader is unwilling to even identify as one who could untie his sandal this great one must be beyond anything we've ever experienced and the Jesus is that's why John is so serious and John says hey he's supreme and he says this in three different ways this morning John says, Jesus Christ is supreme. I want you to look at three different things here. If you have a pen, underline these in your Bible. The first thing that John says about Jesus is this, in verse 23. He says, I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. If you have your pen, just underline, make straight the way of the Lord. What John is saying about Jesus here is he's saying, hey, Jesus who's coming, guess what? He is Yahweh. He is the God of the Old Testament in the flesh. So John is quoting a prophet from the Old Testament here, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, who had said, hey, at some point, there's going to be someone coming who's going to prepare the way for Yahweh. Yahweh is the creator of the universe, the God of the nation Israel. And so when John says here, make straight the way of the Lord, he's really saying Yahweh, he's saying the creator of the universe is coming in the flesh. That's a big deal. No wonder John would say, I'm unworthy to untie his shoe because the one who's coming is God himself. Jesus wasn't just another man. Jesus was the God-man. So the first thing he says is, the God-man is coming. Now go down to verse 30. Verse 30, he continues to emphasize the supremacy of Jesus. He says, This is he of whom I said, After me, comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Underline in your Bible, because he was before me. Now this is weird. John is older than Jesus. John was born before Jesus. This is just historically agreed upon. And yet John says about Jesus, he was before me. Well, how does that work? Well, if we go back up to John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Because Jesus has existed for eternity. The reason that John says he was before me is because Jesus existed before he came into human flesh in the form of a baby. So he's saying, he's a big deal. He's not a created being. He is a creator. This is what makes Jesus significant beyond all other religious leaders. Is that other religious leaders are what? Created. Muhammad is created. Muhammad doesn't claim to have existed for eternity. Jesus is saying, hey, I've existed for eternity. So Jesus is the God-man. Jesus has existed for eternity. And then thirdly, Look with me down to verse 33. He says, John says, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now, we could go to a whole level of depth here on all this. I'm going to try and break it down as simple as possible. What John is saying is that. Jesus is supreme because he's the one who's going to release the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, to the people of God. Now, the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament active, but only with certain individuals. So the Holy Spirit was poured out upon David. The Holy Spirit was poured out in other instances, but never given to the whole nation of Israel and to individual people. But it was prophesied that God was going to give each individual believer When the Messiah comes, the Holy Spirit, in other words, let me put it this simple, God was going to give himself to each person. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God with us. And so John is saying that Jesus has the authority to release the Holy Spirit to be with each individual, and people had been waiting for this. John had just baptized people with water as a sign, as a symbol to say, hey, Get ready, this water is a sign that you're, you're repenting, that you're turning from your wrongdoing and you're turning to, to Jesus. But Jesus does something completely different. He gives the Holy Spirit. He has supreme power beyond John or any other religious leader. So if you have your pen, just underline baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, the God-man, Jesus who's existed for eternity, Jesus, the one who has the authority to release the Spirit of the living God to individual people. Jesus is a big deal. I can't put it any other way. Jesus is a big deal. That's why John says, I'm nobody. Because anyone standing in comparison to Jesus is nobody. Yet here's where it gets interesting. Even though John looks as though what? He's got some self-esteem issues. People maybe say to John, I think he needs to go to counseling. He doesn't think very highly of himself. Something completely different has happened. He has self-forgetfulness, not self-hate. He has forgot himself because he's so engulfed in the greatness of Jesus Christ. Have you ever been in the midst of something so tragic or something so significant where you just, what? You just do, 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 and you kind of forget the details and everything else that's going on. You hear stories about firefighters or others just running into a collapsing building or, or anything. They just forget who they are because, what? They're so taken in that moment, the bigness of the moment, that they're able to step up and do anything beyond what they ever thought they could do. That's what's happening here with John, is John is caught up with something so beyond himself that he's able to forget himself and be so focused on the one who is bigger than him. Jesus is a big deal. Well, why should you believe that Jesus is a big deal this morning? Because I told you who had a 3.0 at Sioux Falls Seminary? No, don't take my word for it this morning that Jesus is a big deal. There's one reason that Jesus is a big deal. And this is where I want to help us all this morning because we're getting challenged on this front by culture and the world around us. Jesus is a big deal. Now, listen to me very carefully. Not because the Bible says so. Jesus is a big deal not because the Bible says so, but because he rose from the dead. There's one thing that affirms the message of Jesus Christ. It is his resurrection. So this morning, if you're like, I don't know about this, Jesus, are you serious? Well, you've got to deal with one issue, and this is the issue. Did he rise from the dead? Because there's been only one person in all of history who's even claimed to rise from the dead and claimed to stay alive after being dead. Jesus Christ. No one else has ever done it. No one else has claimed to do it because that's how big of a deal it is. So the affirmation of the identity of Jesus Christ is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is something we need to learn to talk about because the Bible is under assault, right? A lot of people are questioning the Bible. People are like, well, why? Because the Bible tells you so, so why? Well, the reason that we trust the Bible and the reason that we trust Jesus' identity come down to the same issue, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reason that we should be willing to give our lives For what's taught in here is not because a bunch of guys got together and had a vote on what books are going to be in the Bible. And they're trustworthy guys. The reason that we should stake our life on this word is because of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. And when the moment he rose from the dead, everything he claimed was affirmed. Why is Jesus a big deal? Because he rose from the dead. That's your proof. That's what each of us has to deal with. So why should you trust the Bible today? The reason you should trust the Bible is because it's built upon a historical event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, we would not have the Bible. We would just have the Old Testament and it would have stopped right there. It would have never been compiled for us. But the resurrection gives us confidence. And I won't go into it today because we do it every Easter. There's a lot of good reasons to have confidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus is a big deal. You're probably like, wow, I'm not surprised to hear that at church, pastor. But Jesus is a big deal, and that's the simplicity of the message today. He's a big deal because he's the God-man. He's a big deal because he's eternally existed. He's a big deal because he releases, has the authority to give the Holy Spirit. So now the question becomes, what difference does this make on Monday morning? What's the Monday morning difference? Because Jesus is a big deal. I want to share two practical things with you today of the difference that Jesus makes on Monday morning. The first is this. On Monday morning, you can now have security rather than insecurity. Insecurity is a big problem in all of our lives. I think if all of us were honest this morning, all of us have troubled, troubled struggled with different levels of insecurity. And insecurity causes us to do weird things. Insecurity causes us to cave into peer pressure. Insecurity is, is really part of the root of anxiety and worry because we're not secure in who we are. Well, insecurity is gone now because we find our security in a different place. Our security comes from what? The one who's a big deal, Jesus Christ himself. So if you want to say goodbye to your insecurity, if you want to be bold, if you want to have confidence in life, it doesn't come from looking at your own credentials. It doesn't come from fixing your inside and thinking of yourself more highly. It comes from looking outside of yourself to the one who is a big deal, Jesus himself. You're secure when you attach yourself to something or someone that is secure. As some of you know, I've been doing some home construction and I I didn't bring that up in my resume this morning, but I've done a lot of construction. Well, a couple of weeks ago I was at the back door and I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I was slamming the back door or, or something. I slammed the back door and all of a sudden, boom! I'm like, what in the world was that? Thing. Look over here and here, this big piece of trim came down right next to my head. And I got a picture here this morning. That's above the door, and you kind of see a white line there. There's supposed to be a piece of trim there that brings it all together. There was a piece of trim there. I think the hired help, I don't want to bring up any names here this morning. I think the hired help forgot to nail it. They just stuck it up there. And after a while, it just came down and thankfully there's no kids or My wife doesn't even know this, I don't think. It um, didn't come down. Here's what you got to do though. If you, you want to have security, what do you got to do? You got to attach it to something that is secure. But how do you attach yourself to Jesus Christ? In the Gospel of John, Jesus gives one way to attach yourself to Jesus Christ, and that is believe in him. Trust in him. We attach ourselves to Jesus by saying, Jesus, I trust in you. I believe that you are my Lord. I believe you are my Savior. I trust in your word. That's how we stay connected to to Jesus, the source of our security. Let me break that down in a very practical step. So when it becomes insecure, when those moments of difficulty come, what it means to trust Jesus is say this, Jesus, my circumstances are saying this, but you know what? I'm trusting your word. I'm trusting what you said is true. I'm trusting that what you said, that sorrow will not have the final say. I'm trusting that that's true. We're secure when we stay linked to the one who is the big deal, Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, are you linked to Jesus Christ? Not just, is Jesus kind of in place? Like, you know, I come to church on Sunday, Jesus is just, no, 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 no. Has the nail been put in? Have you said, Jesus, I trust in you. You're my Lord, you're my Savior. I'm not going to trust in my own good works anymore. I'm not going to trust in my own knowledge. I'm not going to trust in my upbringing. I'm not going to trust in my credentials. I'm trusting in you, Jesus. That's where our security comes from. Because we're connected to one who cannot be shaken. Too often we look for security in that which is only momentarily secure. And everything in this world is only momentarily secure. But Jesus is eternally secure for he has overcome everything. So on Monday morning, you know what difference this makes? We as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be bold. Do you know what happened to John the Baptist? John the Baptist basically lost his head, was killed. He was bold. He was questioned. He was put in jail. But he was willing to stand and say, you know what? I'm not backing down. And he wasn't saying that because of who he was. As He said, we used to look at these verses. He was saying that, why? Because of who he was connected to. And I'm not saying this morning that all of us are going to go out and beheaded this next week. I hope none of us this next, this next week. But all of us need a little more confidence in our day-to-day interaction. When things get work at the water cooler, when things get rough at the water cooler at work and kind of the language is turning and, and you're kind of tempted to join in with the gossip, we need a little more confidence to say, you know what? I'm going to speak a kind word about that person rather than talk about their deficiencies. We need a little more confidence that tells us, you know what? I'm going to say no next time that I'm invited to participate in something that's not worthwhile. We need a little more confidence next time to to speak up and say a word of truth in a difficult circumstance, maybe where someone needs to hear a hard word that says, you need to forgive them. I'm going to have confidence to stand and say, you need to forgive. Why? Because I trust in Jesus, and Jesus says to forgive. Our security comes from Jesus Christ. It's time to stop moping around. time to be bold. Not because of how good we are, not because of how great we are, not because of the skills and the gifts we have, but because of who we're connected to. Be bold. And so maybe a practical step you could take tomorrow, maybe each day this next week, one practical step you could do is, is this. Acknowledge the supremacy of Jesus at the beginning of each day. So what difference does this make on Monday morning? First is, we're secure. Our insecurities are gone. Second is this, is very practically speaking, just acknowledge Jesus as supreme at the beginning of each day. It could be very simple to be something like this. Jesus, you're the boss today. You're just acknowledging. You're reminding yourself and you're giving acknowledgement, saying, yep, Jesus is in charge. I don't know if you've ever heard the Bible passage or hear someone tell you the Bible passage where Jesus was with his followers And as he's preparing his followers for life after him, Jesus says, Hey, I want you to go out into all of the world and proclaim the forgiveness of sins and tell people to obey me on Sunday mornings. And everything else, it just doesn't matter. I don't know if you've heard that passage of Scripture or not. You haven't heard it because it doesn't exist. I mean, how crazy would that be if Jesus said, Yeah, you know what? I'm king. Let's just get people to obey me on Sunday morning and show up. That's good. I'm, I'm fine with that. Absolutely not. Jesus says through the Apostle Paul, he says, Hey, in everything that you do, whether you eat or sleep, do all things to the glory of God. Jesus wants to be acknowledged as supreme every single day because he is supreme every single day. So this next week, it's time to be bold because we're connected to Jesus Christ. If you struggle with insecurity today, I really want to encourage you, where are you looking for your security? Is it in the things of this world, the relationships, the affirmations of others, or is it in the ultimate affirmation of Jesus Christ? And this next week, are you willing to acknowledge the authority of Jesus Christ each morning? Jesus, you're the boss. We're going to close our time this morning by singing a really old song. The song is so old, the music team made fun of me this week. But I chose this song for a very specific reason. It basically declares what each of us should be declaring because it's what the Word of God tells us to do. Very simply, crown him the Lord of lords. So there's different verses in here. One verse says, go lay down your trophies at his feet. Maybe you're like me this morning. You don't have very many athletic trophies to speak of at all. But you've got other trophies. You've got other things that you think that you've done that you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus. Things that have given you pride that you need to say, Jesus, no, my skills in the financial world, this came from you. I lay it down and I say, I crown you Lord of Lords. And then in the other parts of the song, it tells us that we are the ransomed people of God. And so we gather together and say, we crown him Lord of Lord. And then the final verse finishes with some really old language and there's a word in there, throng. Throng is very simply a word for a big crowd of people. The final verse is simply saying this, that we gather together as a big crowd and we say, crown him Lord of Lord. Because guess what? That's how the story ends is that a crowd gathers together. Every human being, whoever has called in the name of Jesus, will gather together and say, you are Lord of Lord. The question is not, will that happen on the final day? It will. The question is, will that happen tomorrow, on Monday morning, in your life and in my life? Will we crown him Lord of all? Let's sing together. Let's declare with our hearts together that we crown Jesus Lord of all. Let us pray. Everlasting God, you are God, I am not. You are God, we are not. God, we acknowledge your supremacy this morning. We pray now that you would make known the greatness of Jesus Christ to each of our hearts. God, give us the ability to trust in Jesus. So Lord, we acknowledge that oftentimes we've been insecure And Lord, I pray this morning, I know this is a big issue in my own heart. I know this is a big issue in a lot of people's hearts in this room. Lord, we struggle with anxiety. We struggle with anxiety, insecurity. We admit that this morning. Lord, help us, empower us to look beyond ourselves and to cling to you alone. So this morning, Lord, I ask for a miracle in the name of Jesus, that anyone that's struggling with depression right now, Lord, I ask that you'd lift their sights. Lord, I pray that you'd make them aware that they can cling to Jesus. Lord, I pray for anyone this morning that hasn't been bold with their family, for anyone that hasn't been secure in declaring your truth. Lord, I ask this morning that you'd enable them and empower them to cling to Jesus. Lord, give us your security through Jesus. We thank you and praise you for who you are, God. We acknowledge you are our Lord. Amen.